0: Hi, peeps. Help Me Be Me is underfunded and needs your help. If you enjoy listening to this or it helps you at all, please visit helpmebeme.com and click donate. Or visit me on Patreon. Thanks! Hi, friends. It's Sarah Mae. And this is an episode for a couple different listeners, um, it's about distance and hurt that happens when your partner stops wanting to sleep with you. And in this case, I'm referring to the dude stops wanting to sleep with the girl. So this is a heads up, it's kind of heterocentric, um, but I would say you can apply some of the insights to your relationship and just kind of translate them, I guess, based on um, who plays which role if that is not your case so um that said, I believe a lot of these themes are are universal, so if you want to know something specific about your particular situation, feel free to reach out, and I will absolutely uh make an addendum or or tack it on to the next episode. So I want you to know there's not a whole lot of research um, I could find on this that was, like, not super um, religious, to be honest. So uh, know that this is a sensitive area. This is a sensitive subject. This is not intended to be reductive to anyone or their lifestyle or their gender or anything like that. So um, listen with your your thicker skin on, I guess, just because it's going to generalize things about gender gender roles. And I know I found when I was reading, I was kind of getting annoyed at some of my reading. So (laughs) I'm hopefully not going to annoy you, but I just want to give that caveat. I'm not trying to tell anybody what is right or correct or normal for a man or a woman to be, obviously. So if you get sensitive in this area or you feel offended by things that relate to those topics I would just say take what helps and leave the rest end of lengthy disclaimer actually one more disclaimer this is I'm going to talk about sex and masturbation so probably not the best to listen to on speaker at work or (laughs) your kids like all my podcasts really um because I I doff I drop f-bombs left and right So let's fucking get to it, shall we? Okay, here we go. Three parts. The what, the why, and the how, the tools. Part one, the what. So in this case, a woman with a libido who is with a man who does not have a libido or has suddenly expressed a lack of interest in sex. So maybe it's, uh, maybe they say they're too tired or they're not interested or they just never initiate it and maybe this was a gradual thing and now you start you've started to feel really concerned like maybe they maybe it's about you and you think oh maybe they're not attracted to me or maybe they're cheating on me or maybe they actually confirm that it has nothing to do with you and it's them and you believe them but now you're really getting upset because you're you're hot and bothered and you don't have any way of getting your needs met so in short an intimate relationship that once had chemistry and now one partner in this case the guy is not interested in sex anymore and maybe it's just become less and less to the point where it's now become a sensitive topic and now the girl is just really really frustrated and feeling um resentful and sad and lonely and ashamed to talk to her friends about it and uh, one actu- one website actually refers to this as the 20%, meaning like 20% of relationships are like this, where the girl is the one that wants sex and guy, the guy doesn't. And I took that to mean it's a bigger proportion of the population than most people think. So long story short, it's common. And I would conjecture it might be more common because of the increase of like, equality and basically the shifting of gender roles to be more equal. And I think the reason it's not talked about is it's not aligned with the image we see in pop culture. Like, I think it's shifting now so that, you know, it's a little bit more equal in in media to see that girls want sex just as much as guys. But still the dominant story is guys just want sex that's all they think about and the girls are like oh god they're just sex crazed so if you're not like that if it feels like something's wrong and you're not about to tell anybody because it tarnishes your partner and you and it might be something you don't want other people to know about you uh, i know for a lot of women you hear from like everybody else that you know when they're dating, like guys just want sex like that's the popular conversation so in in all these situations it's really uh it feels really it feels really shameful to not to fit to not fit that mold for guys and for girls. men feel ashamed about how they're not you know powerful or virile or testosterone driven and it's not something like money, you know, it's not like talking about the bills. It's in this situation, it it can almost make it worse by discussing it because part of the equation is, you know, one person has to actually perform and they can't fake it. So when you talk about something like that, it adds pressure and it can actually make your problem 10 times worse. So what happens is a person finds themselves in this situation, and they suffer alone, baffled, frustrated, and eventually filled with despair. So you might feel like you can talk to no one about this because it would hurt too much and make you feel too exposed. So with that, here's part two, the why. There are a variety of general reasons. I will list them, but I first wanted to talk about relationship dynamics. This is a super super general and basic rule of thumb. But chemistry in a relation in a relationship comes from an aggressor and a submissive. Like I don't mean S&M, but there's one person that is in different areas of your relationship, one person will be the one that's creating the movement and the aggression or the the power, and the other person will have to be kind of the complement to that. And that is how you have chemistry. And if you don't, then it becomes much more platonic, becomes more of a friendship. So that is how both people in a relationship feel like they have a role. is one person has power, one person concedes the power. So know that in general, relationships are a constant balancing of that power. And both people need to have power in a different area. Otherwise, they will feel like they're not enough or that they are helpless or too vulnerable it will it will make the relationship unhealthy if if one person has all the power and the other person has none of the power so for example um one person might have all the power in when it comes to the household or child rearing or the bedroom let's say and then the other person has all the power when it comes to finances and um y- yeah like basically breadwinning. So if things get too equal or same, the chemistry can get lost. So for example, let's say you're the breadwinner, then the other person needs to have power somewhere else in your relationship, like let's say in the household, for them to feel like they have some sort of autonomy or authority or sense of self. They need it for dignity. So often what happens is if that if let's say this person feels very threatened and powerless and you're like the breadwinner and you're also in control of the household and you're also the one that's always right the other partner will compensate by taking control over sex so that can be something um that that happens unconsciously it's not like a manipulative thing it's just something that they they will automatically do as a way to actually have control over something and be the, the owner of something in your relationship. Um, they need to feel powerful in some other way. So, again, generalizing genders here, but for men it is incredibly important to feel like a man in the relationship, like meaning to feel powerful, like a protector, like a provider, and, you know, all this, the cultural stereotypes of men. And there are many factors in a relationship that can actually erode that sense of masculinity. And there are things that just kind of happen without us even recognizing it. So, that in turn can reduce libido and kind of upset the balance of the relationship in just really subtle ways. So, whereas they before might have felt really confident, they might feel challenged and weak. And that affects their ability to take control in the bedroom. So a lot of, a lot of different facets of life will affect uh, a man's sex drive and actually anybody's ability to be intimate. And that's because intimacy requires confidence. It means somebody has to be able to be open and vulnerable and safe, feel safe enough in that state. And when you're feeling weak or you're at a low point in your life, often go into a self-protection mode so as to avoid feeling more feelings of shame. So some of those factors include, here's a list, I'm going to go through them, I think there's 12 or 13. Number one, body dysmorphia. Number two, excessive drinking or use of meds or certain medications. Number three, over-exercise. Basically, if you exercise too much, it can mirror the effects of anorexia and, like, it affects your sexual desire. Number four, feeling like a failure. So this could be a job loss or a loss of a major part of someone's identity. Number five, feelings of weakness or inferiority or toothlessness or basically feeling like the smaller of the two in the relationship. I would say think long and hard about this one. Does this person ever have authority in your relationship? Number six, age and health. Like basically after 40, things change dramatically as far as like uh, just erectile dysfunction and also libido and all sorts of different things. So this can actually create a lot of performance anxiety and that once you're in your head kind of it's like a you know catalyzes a lot more pressure number seven depression this is like a damper on all of your feelings including all sexual ones number eight feeling vulnerable or less than which can lead to the use of porn in in the place of sex so it's basically a person that's not able to feel um open enough to be close to somebody else and therefore it's safer for them to just masturbate and use porn and i would say this is not true in the large portion of cases i'm referring to this is like probably a different topic i'm talking about people who who no longer have a libido for the most part in this podcast number nine stress which alters hormones it disrupts sleep cycles this can catalyze um just reduction in libido number ten Intimacy issues, meaning they are maybe not self-loving enough or open enough to give themselves to someone who can basically hurt them really badly. And I would say this might be the case if things were great when you were more like strangers. So this can happen when the honeymoon phase wears off, and it can also manifest as um, a person who withholds sex. So you know that their libido is still there, but they're just withholding it from you. 11. Issues tied to old trauma or family milestones. So these can come up at any stage, but in particular, when a new milestone is reached in the relationship. For example, if you guys just moved in together or you're starting to raise kids together, it can trigger some old stuff that has been kind of sleeping in the background. Um, that's when your family shit comes out. So if they have any old trauma, maybe they haven't dealt with it, that can. That can be something that triggers it, um, and then these last two are kind of a different category. Twelve would be passive aggression, aka they're deliberately punishing you, or or for a, like a lack of love or attention or power, um, or they're they're doing it as like an aggressive, intentional thing. And in that situation, it's like. You might want to talk about the relationship because they could be getting sex elsewhere or, you know, this is like a red flag for you guys to both say like, hey, what's going on? And number 13, infidelity or emotional infidelity. So if they are dissatisfied in the relationship overall, they might be getting off with somebody else, which can affect their desire and their ability to be intimate with you. And so these Last two are not really who I'm talking about in this podcast. I would say if, if these, those last two are your situation, you would probably, you could probably sense something about it. Like if you feel like that might be the case, like it might be time to do some investigation into your relationship. So those are all the different factors. And once one of, one of these is setting it up or two of them are, are occurring, then comes the cycle. So I would say like, let's say you're starting to feel them withdraw or things are starting to feel like they're, you know, you're starting to feel like you have to pull more and pursue more. Then it starts like a terrible, vicious cycle where suddenly your the balance starts to tip even further in the wrong direction. Like you start to feel really angry and resentful and they they feel you really angry and resentful. And then they feel like more of a failure. And then maybe like when you finally confront it, then you burst into tears. And then they feel like even more of a failure. It's like it starts to build into such a much more dramatic issue. Um, and there's also the cycle of equality, of like too much becoming too too similar or too much like friends where there is no chemistry, where you start to feel that both people start to feel like they can't break out of um, the the roles they have. Like the your partner might feel like they, they're not powerful enough to like take you or, or whatever. So this is like two of these, two different types of situations where the problem starts as something that you recognize and then it starts to get more and more sensitive. And that's because... When needs go unmet, anger begins to grow and resent begins to grow. And then worse than that, hurt. So when you start to feel more and more hurt by somebody, you start to feel like your problem is, you know, a commentary on you and that they don't love you and that they're doing this to scorn you. And it can feel devastating. It can feel like the pits of despair. So I want to say before I go into the tools on this one, you might not like the suggestions I have, and I know they have the potential to challenge a lot of built-in traits that you might find are who you are, and they might not be things you want to change, you know? So I will ask you to just listen with an open mind and at least try them on for size, and assume you can adopt some measure of these And notice and just recognize if you bump on things, like if they make you feel angry, just acknowledge that. Um, So I want to address also the why on the other side of the pond. If you're the one who wants sex and you are pursuing somebody about it, um, it can feel really painful and you can feel invisible. It's really hard to feel undesired. And if you have issues surrounding your appearance and like, you know, self-worth issues, This can be like a loaded gun between you and your partner. This could be your trigger. So you might be afraid of setting them off with your feelings of sadness and triggering them into even more permanent, bonerless distance. And therefore, you're just not saying anything because you know it could destroy both of you. So I know it's a very delicate, painful situation. And even though you love one another and you have closeness, it can feel impossible to bridge this because of how much emotion is at stake. So I'd say as a broad generalization, before I go into tools, most experts on this topic say that sex is really a metaphor for intimacy in the relationship. So if you are feeling like you are hurt or confused about what's happening, I would say as a rule of thumb, just start there and look at this as kind of the metaphor for where what's going on with intimacy for you guys. Most often, if it's an emotional issue, it has to do with one person's confidence and one person's lack of confidence and how those two things catalyze distance and greater imbalance. So know that this won't be solved overnight. It needs to be just nursed. It needs conscious awareness, constant attention and balancing of needs, and I just mean consistent like I don't mean every single day you have to think about this non-stop just like it, it it's going to need some some love and care gentle love and care over a long period of time. It'll be a balancing of asking for your needs to be met in a way that ensures you the greatest chance of success while not increasing the distance even more. So with that here are some tools and hopefully these will help both of you. And now you may want to adjust your volume for a brief word from our sponsors. So as a way to set the tone for these tools, uh, I wanted to orient your mind before you approach the situation. So the first tool is called Look at the Chessboard. I want you to think of your life as a game of chess, and it's a really, really long game We get bogged down in the pain of the immediate moment. And right now, you seeking out help for this situation is really about you empowering yourself to get yours. So, to do that, you really need to think beyond that immediate emotional pain. Being really sensitive to your partner's vulnerability and your own vulnerability, but always coming from above, looking at the chessboard from the top down. So just choose your next move from a rational place based on what you want, based on the ultimate result desired, always. Do not allow the game to play you. Always choose from the most rational, highest perspective. What do you want to get out of the next move? Okay, the next tool I have for you is called Pale Blue Dot. So I want you to Google this term so you know what I'm talking about. It's uh, it's basically an image of the Earth from the farthest point ever photographed from space. And it's just this tiny blue speck. It's pale blue. And I want you to just get perspective on this issue. When you start to get really overwhelmed or really upset and you feel like desperate and frustrated and like you have no power and that this is really destroying your life, just open this image and remind yourself today is just a very, very small fraction of your time on this planet. And the planet is such a small thing in this universe. And yes, you live a long life, but the immediate emotion you feel around this issue is making it feel like it's much more important than it really is. And I'm not saying you can't mourn and feel sad. I'm just saying get perspective on how much of life it's really going to take over for you. Like to have this thing blind you and make you feel like it's all of your life is to deceive yourself. So remember just to orient yourself in the to the scale of this issue when you're starting to feel like, I can't deal, I can't tolerate, whatever, you know, just remind yourself. This is very small in comparison to all that is. The next tool I have for you, similar, I'll call it an alt version of that pale blue dot. I'm going to call it the time machine. Set it to, let's say, 1874 or any 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 time 100 years ago basically i want you to as another way to orient yourself to how painful this thing is um or or sober yourself i would say to take the pressure off of it imagine yourself having been born in like victorian times or you know in the old west this could have been a way of life you know just this could be birth control This could be the way the majority of your life is. I'm talking about just to be abstinent. And I know that it's not by choice, but there is such a thing as this being normal. And I think nowadays there's so much more focus on it and pressure on it because of, you know, how common it is to talk about it. It's like part of media. It's like such a heavy theme in film, in TV, in comedies, and like how much we're having, how good it is. It's just one of those things that sells. It's easy to be entertained by. So it's not as important as we feel like it is. And I think there's a tendency nowadays to compare notes more often and to talk about it more often, whereas you wouldn't talk about it at all if you were in, you know if you were in a locked in a bedroom awaiting your suitor, whatever, 100 years ago. So I would say just there's a lot of analysis nowadays. And you don't have to feel so much pressure from the outside on your relationship. If you just allow yourself to mentally separate from that and see it from the outside from from afar. And I know that's like saying don't feel upset when it's really healthy and valid to feel upset. So just think of this as a balancing act of you feeling and acknowledging your feelings and then addressing them in a way that is helpful to you. And sometimes that means not meaning not making them worse by analyzing them. All right, the next tool I have for you is called the drunken deal. So, you don't have to be drunk to do this. This is, it's more about just being silly and not so intense and not so stressed out. So, this is about making a bargain around meeting your needs in another way with your partner. And that means not putting all the emphasis on him performing. So, maybe that would include a sexy massage or watching a movie together or just touching and kissing and whatever it all I'm saying is create another plan for yourself that accommodates your needs and be explicit about what you want and have this talk with your partner about asking them to meet your needs on whatever basis is good for you and do it in a a way that's really silly and flirtatious and I know that sounds like almost impossible, but it is possible. I know it can feel really dangerous or or s- stressful and scary to bring up this topic because it's probably built up a lot of meaning for both of you. So I want you to practice saying it at another time. And then don't allow your brain to go into the pity zone. And keep it light and keep it sparse and, and be honest and say like... uh in as funny and cute a way as you possibly can, like, whatever you need to say. I need this from you, and I need it uh, preferably every week or so. And, like, have a code word or something like that. It's a deal that they will hopefully, if they care about you, happily accommodate because it's not about them. It's not about what they have to do. It's more about them keeping you happy. And this is going to be the halfway point they're going to have to come to in order to just deal with the situation for now. Just make it a separate thing. You know, it's not about the bigger issue of sex. It's just about you in this situation. So make that drunken deal. And then don't be afraid to use it. I know that there might be a hesitancy to be like uh, in the moment, like you might feel awkward or weird. And in that situation, maybe you do want to be drunk. I don't know. Get used to it, though. It's, it, think of this as an opportunity for your relationship to become closer via you feeling a little bit more vulnerable than maybe you normally do. All right. Next tool is called millions start with pennies. So this is more about addressing the balance of power in your relationship. So I want you to think of your relationship like a cumulative thing. That's, I don't know if you can hear that. That's my dogs guarding, guarding my life in the background. Um, oh, They're really annoying right now. Okay, and they're done. So I want you to think of your relationship like a cumulative sum. And it's not one big lump. Lump of change, it's more about every single instance, every interaction you have together. It's made up of a million different tiny experiences. And all of those individual moments are little opportunities to build up your partner and build up their sense of power and autonomy. And with that, um, virility or or feeling of like they have, they can take you, they can, they can be a confident other half. So it's really important that you take all the possible opportunities to allow them to feel like they have authority and not weak or like they have failed you. I know that's easier said than done, especially if you're mad, but I want you to try it. I want you to just keep this top of mind. It's really about keeping this visual in the back of your mind in the individual moments. Like, Ask yourself, am I wasting a valuable opportunity right now to build my partner up? boy doggies and I mean like think about the opportunities that are that come down to um them them saying something that they think and you knowing they're wrong but choosing in that moment to be respectful of them and and say like great idea only because it's not as big a deal for them for the thing to be messed up as it is for them to feel good and strong and confident Those are individual opportunities. I know that like a lot of things will end up not getting done as well, but in this case, it is worth it to you. The value is greater for you to build up your partner than it is to be right and have things done correctly. Um, In other words, allow influence. I don't know if you have heard of Gottman. Google them. but one of the most important things you can do to keep your relationship healthy is allow the other person to be right. And allow them to have power and win. So think about any possible opportunity you have to build your partner up. And think about it in terms of what it... Is this thing allowed to hurt my relationship? Is this thing big enough that I want it to hurt my relationship? And think about, you know, your partner's confidence. The more they are wrong and the more you are more adept, the worse they feel and the smaller they feel. So if you're a really capable human being or you're really um, you're an overachiever, you're likely casting a shadow over your partner and you're not even doing it intentionally. So you have to almost work double time now to make sure they feel worthy of you. And that's just about going through the motions of you know, celebrating them and applauding them and telling them they're right whenever they possibly can, whenever you possibly can. So think about it. What is the value of this thing in my penny bank? That is your highest value, your partner's happiness and feeling good about themselves. Next tool, intimacy dates. Um okay, this is I want you to schedule dates. You can tell them about it. You don't have to tell them about it. I would say like, call it something else that's cuter and more casual but set aside time for specifically and your just for you to know this is non-sexual closeness and physicality and i know that that's not always a problem in these types of situations like you might have an abundance of physical closeness but if you do not it can help a lot if you've been neglecting it i mean it might be one of those things where you've you haven't been physically close because this is a sensitive subject this is a paver towards more closeness of a physical nature so i want you to make An effort to have, just let's say it's an hour every other day, where you spend just being touchy and close and cutesy, and the in your mind this is not for sex. It's just to build up a little bit of the intimacy glue. The next tool, keep it professional. So, if you've been talking to your partner about this issue, this is an assignment for you to do this is if you've already like addressed this, this problem head on. And if you haven't, this is an option for you to consider. So the assignment is, let's say it's once a week, let's say it's Sundays, you are going to have a massage trade-off where, and you have to keep it professional. Your partner has to give you a full body massage. And, and the next time, the next week, you have to give your partner a full body massage. And they the rule is you cannot have sex, you will not at any. You are not going to result in sex at all. The purpose being, when the goal is clearly not sex, then you take a load off, and it actually becomes more inspiring to desire. And it's it's really just about uh, allowing the pressure to be gone, and for something that kind of gets you close to that to. I guess engender more of those feelings. I know it's not ideal, but really decide in your mind, this is an assignment I'm going to do it and then I'm not going to think about wanting it to end in a certain way. The the goal of the whole thing though is to actually hopefully build up more of the desire. Okay, next tool. Um 101st birthday. So this is a way for you to orient yourself to, um, I guess, choose from the highest position. It's another version version of the chessboard. I want you to think about your relationship from the perspective of yourself on your 101st birthday. What would you choose from this vantage point? Meaning, what would your priority be uh, for your life in this day and time? Like, is it worth it to you to Break up over this situation? Is it worth it to you to punish your partner? Is it worth it to go to therapy? Like the person who is 101 years old has a much calmer and more objective, in many ways, perspective on your relationship as a whole. And, you know, maybe the answer is yes, it is worth breaking up over, or maybe it is worth crying over. But I want you to just use that as a way to gauge how pain, how much pain you should be experiencing versus how much you need to talk yourself out of the pain. Because there is a lot more of that that you can be doing if you get out of the mindset of poor me, because that's an easy place to be when you have unmet needs. But there are many times in your relationship where you will go through a period where you have to be The strong one for both of you, and you have to be the bigger person, and you have to do that for a lot longer than you think you should. That will happen throughout your relationship, and sometimes it'll be your partner's job to do that for you. But don't feel like right now, this moment means everything. It might mean something totally different in 30 years from now. You might not even remember it. So just keep things in perspective. Think of the 101st birthday person's view. Next tool. I give this all the time, I wanted to throw it in here, the mantra, it's not about me. And I would say, even if they point to you and say, you look like shit and that's why, I would say that's probably a defense mechanism on their part, just trying to keep the pressure off themselves. If they're having trouble and they're going through something in their life, that is not your fault and you did not create it in them. I would remind yourself of that constantly. It's not about you. It's not about what you're worth. It's not about you not being good enough. They've got some shit they're going through, and everyone goes through shit at some point in life. The next tool, clean the pipes. This is a maintenance tool. That is a reference to something about Mary. I don't know if you've seen that movie. I know this is kind of like a no-duh, but I wanted to remind you that if you are building up anger and resent and sexual frustration, As a part of simple maintenance, you should be getting off by yourself. That's right, I'm talking about masturbation. I would almost treat it like a chore that must be done and not something you kind of hesitate to do or feel weird about doing or feel like you're wasting your desire doing. Just to take the edge off an already painful, frustrating issue, keep the pipes clean, and just it'll allow you to be a little bit more compassionate and tolerant. The next tool I have for you is called Remember to do the dishes. So, this issue has a ton of baggage attached to it for both of you because it's entwined with body issues, self worth, with self confidence, how attractive we feel, how desired we feel. How desired we feel has so much to do with a lot of people's view of who they are and how worthy they are. So, this can be a trigger for a shit ton of more pain than it's really owed. So you're combating a lot more than just the interpersonal complications of your relationship. So I want you to think of this issue from a more empowered place. And in order to do that, you have to be, you have to strip away as much of the emotion, confusing layers of emotion as possible, and get objective about how you want to deal with it. So it can be treated in your mind as something similar to Who's going to do the dishes and whether or not the dishes are done. I know it's mundane and trivial and it's not worth, you know, negotiating your self-worth over. It's just a thing that exists between your guys' relationship and it's one of those universal couple issues that everyone has to deal with in the best way they can. And life will always have some version Of this kind of negotiation, but really get objective about the nitty-gritty. What do you need? How can you get what you need? How can you deliver that information in a way that results in what you need? And that is the end of it. Don't don't let it take over what does this mean for us and what does this mean for me? And have I changed? And how have we changed? Like, don't go into that stuff. That's not gonna be helpful to you. This is a phase, and if it's not a phase, you're gonna have to figure out a solution together and the main thing is how loving can you both be so that you are, you're able to res- reach a resolution for one another? I hope that's helpful. I know this is one of those issues that's so painful and sometimes, you know, the solutions are not what we want them to be or they're not as simple as we want them to be. But if you're both, ugh, goal, both have the goal to come to a solution, that is all that matters, I believe. So before I close, I wanted to thank my latest sponsors, Marianne on Patreon. Thank you so, so much. You have a very generous donation. And Chris, thank you so much. You made a super amazing, generous donation. And I'm so, so grateful. And anyone else out there, if you have the means and the show helps you, your donations make a huge difference in my ability to create it. And if you don't have the means, then a review on iTunes helps me immensely or even a heart on SoundCloud. So in closing, I know that this is hard right now, but change is guaranteed of, a, of any kind. Change will be a constant in your life. Your body will change. Their body will change. Your life circumstances will change. Your relationship will change. So you cannot focus on time and measurement and what is normal, quote unquote. Because that'll just serve to reinforce the anger and the pain and not highlight the solutions. There is a much different normal than what is portrayed in the media. So just think about it that way. There is no such thing as normal. This is much more normal than most people think. And everything is normal when it comes to the shifting needs and feelings of two people in a relationship. So I would say take the pressure off and take the pressure out that's coming from the outside. You are, you have enough already going on in your internal world. So imagine yourself in the Victorian era or on a farm with no newspapers and know that, and imagine you don't know anything except for what's happening in your little farmhouse together. And that's all that matters. Not what others are telling you they're doing or what statistical samples are telling you. And I believe the relationship is not broken. It It really just comes down to confronting what is happening in a way that allows you to work around your unmet needs and your pain and the shame that might be lumped on top of the issue. Because when you think about yourself from the farthest photograph of the universe, you realize all this can be put in perspective. Yes, it is a big joy in life to have sex, but it's not all of life. And it really does come down to... What are your, your priorities? What's important to you? And if sex is really, really important to you, then I would say you've got to come to a compromise that meets both of your needs. The end. That's what you should be focusing on. And I will, f- I will say that you will find anybody is not perfect. Everybody you date, anybody you are in a relationship with, are go- they're going to be less perfect than you think they are, no matter what. Question is, do you love them enough? And maybe the answer is no. And if it is, then you owe it to yourself to be honest. But if the answer is yes, then this is both of your problem. And it's yours to solve in the most loving, gentle way possible. And I would say it's much much better to solve it continually and just address it and maintain your happiness than it is to go, you know, years building up hurt and resent swallowing it because that is how you build up an explosion. And explosions usually take the form of an affair or anger and hate and eventually distance, and then one day you're not in love anymore. And that's not what is healthy for either of you. So take the shame out of this for both of you by really coming at it from a safe place in yourself. It doesn't have to mean so much. In all probability. I would say it's most likely not about you or at you. It just is. And if this was an issue to do with who's going to cook dinner, it wouldn't have so much baggage and drama attached to it. So just start from the objective goal. This is about how you both help each other to keep each other happy, despite the issues that are stopping you currently from having sex together. So I hope this helps, and if it doesn't, uh, or if you have, you wanted to ask a different question, shoot me an email, and I will try my best to tack it on to the next episode. So don't forget to smile.